0: Welcome to the Little Ferraro Kitchen cooking show. My name is Samantha Ferraro. I am a food blogger, a cookbook author, and a cooking instructor. On this show, we talk all about cooking and food, tips and tricks, and ways to make your weeknight recipes fresh, vibrant, and flavorful every day of the week. If you love talking about food, you're in the right place, so don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the Little Ferraro Kitchen cooking show. My name is Samantha Ferraro, your host. And if you love talking about food and love talking about cooking and recipes, you are in the right place. We have a very delicious episode this week, and on the menu, we are cooking up a delicious at-home Valentine's dinner. And sure, you can go out to dinner and make reservations and eat with other couples and wait in line, but there's something special about cooking at home, and even better when you get to cook anything you want. (laughs) So on today's episode, I am going to walk you through a really lovely dinner that you can have on Valentine's Day, or really any time you want something absolutely decadent and absolutely delicious. Before we get into this week's episode, I always like to share what we've been cooking in our kitchens this week. And it's been a really fun one. I've been updating some photographs and some recipes on my website, which kind of made me go back in time and make some delicious recipes that I haven't had a chance to make in a while. It's been really fun. Something uh, I made recently was a sausage and pepper pizza and usually sausage and peppers is found as a sandwich which is one of my favorite sandwiches you brown up some really spicy Italian sausage I like it spicy you can do mild or sweet you saute up some peppers and sometimes some onions and you put in a nice hoagie roll and or a nice French uh, roll and you just enjoy it's one of my favorite sandwiches but instead I took those flavors and I put them on a pizza which was so delicious and to kind of of, you know, add even more (laughs) uh, ingredients and decadence. I added a lot of cheese. So I added some creamy ricotta, which is nice and mild, some pecorino, which is a hard Italian sheep's milk cheese. It's hard like a Parmesan, but it has more saltiness and more bite to it. And then I also added some mozzarella cheese. And the combination of the sausage with the sweet peppers and that creamy ricotta and that kind of sharp, salty pecorino was such a delicious combination. And if you want to make that at home, what I would suggest is roll out your pizza dough, brown up some sausage, and depending if you like spicy sausage or mild or sweet, brown it up and crumble it up so it's nice, good-sized crumbles. And then saute some peppers so they are already cooked, because they do take some time to break down. Sometimes I do cheat and use jarred peppers, which are really easy, like those jarred roasted peppers, but sometimes I like to grill them or roast them myself and then assemble your pizza. So roll out the dough, add some marinara sauce, top it with some slices or shreds of mozzarella, the crumbled sausage, the roasted peppers. And then I like to add creamy ricotta cheese because it's really mild. It's very creamy. There's not much flavor to it, but it also gives a really nice texture against kind of like the heavier, fattier uh, cuts or ingredients on your pizza. So I just do a few dollops of ricotta cheese onto the pizza. And here's my tip. Sometimes ricotta can be really watery. So if you have the time, take your ricotta and put it in a strainer over a bowl for as long as you have, if you have 10 minutes, 20 minutes overnight. And what happens is it will release and drain any excess water, making for a creamier ricotta and then grate some pecorino cheese on top or parmesan cheese on top. If you have a fresh basil or fresh oregano, that's really delicious as well. And then my other tip when making pizza is to get your oven really, really hot, as hot as it can go about a half hour before you're even ready to make your pizza. And I have a pizza stone, which is something I highly recommend home cooks to get. It's basically just a big stone tile that goes into your oven and we just leave it there and it gets really really hot it can get even hotter than what your oven is and then when you put your pizza on there it cooks in about five six minutes and it creates the most lovely crispy crust Besides that sausage and pepper pizza, which I am still dreaming about, <laughs> I also made a Middle Eastern dessert. It's called kanafe, and it's really delicious. You kind of can compare it to a baklava. And what it is, is instead of having sheets of phyllo like with baklava, you have shreds of phyllo. And it almost looks like horsehair <laughs> when you see it in the package, and it can be messy. But it's one of those ingredients that you can kind of mess up. And then once you bake it, nobody will know <laughs> because it looks fine. But what's so distinctive about this recipe called kanafa is that instead of having nuts in the middle, like baklava, you have cheese. So it's kind of this sweet and savory dessert, and it's very popular in Turkey. And what you do is you take the shredded filo, you add some melted butter, again, similar like baklava, to get it nice and, um, I guess, coated evenly. And if you want, you can add some saffron for color, but you don't have to. And then you press it into a pie plate, and then you add some cheese so again we're using mozzarella cheese it's a very mild melty cheese and ricotta similar to what we just had on the the pizza isn't that funny and then you top it with the rest of that shredded phyllo and as it bakes and the cheese melts and the filo gets nice and crispy, you make a really delicious floral simple syrup, again, very similar to baklava. And what I like to do is I take two cups of sugar, one cup of water. And if you are interested in floral water, such as rose water or orange blossom water, this is a great time to add that. If you don't like it, you don't have to. Just a simple sugar syrup is perfect. And I add a cinnamon stick and maybe some orange peel or orange zest. And as soon as the kanafe comes out of the oven, it's nice and hot and your syrup is hot, you pour this hot syrup over it and it just soaks in. And similar to baklava, it's just that delicious, decadent, sweet, sticky. But with this recipe, it's a little less sweet because of that cheese in the middle. And it's just really, really delicious. I will include a recipe. It's one of those recipes I really think everyone should try at least because it's not very common. But once you've had it, you're like, wow, this is really delicious. Now for our Valentine's dinner menu, and I'll be honest, if you don't want to make this for Valentine's Day, you can make this any time, any holiday, any day of the week. It is absolutely delicious. I can eat this every day of the week, this whole menu, and be very content. So on the menu, we are talking about how to make cast iron seared New York steaks with wild mushrooms. And on the side, we're going to serve some roasted broccolini and a really creamy marscapone tomato sauce with some pasta. And then for dessert, we'll have chocolate dipped strawberries because why not? It's delicious and a little Prosecco at the end. But I will walk you through the whole menu and your timeline and how to put it all together. The first thing you want to start is your tomato sauce because that can be made ahead and that can sit while you make everything else. So to make your tomato sauce, this is pretty easy. You saute some olive oil and garlic in a pan over medium heat and then add some crushed tomatoes. If you wanna add some white wine, you can. That would be really nice. And then just season it with salt and pepper, maybe a little oregano, and then just stir to combine. Simmer that for about 10 minutes, just so all the flavors can come together. And to make it really creamy, we're adding mascarpone cheese. Now, mascarpone cheese is a thick Italian cream cheese. You can find it uh, near the other cheeses in grocery stores, and it's in a tub. And it has some tang to it. It's very creamy. And it just gives the tomato sauce a really luscious, velvety texture and flavor. So what I like to do is I add about one to two tablespoons of mascarpone cheese into the sauce and I whisk it in so it becomes a little light pink sauce. And then just taste it for seasoning. If you want to add some fresh basil, that would be good too. But really that's the gist of the sauce. Now once the sauce is done, you can set it aside, keep it on warm. And while that's done, we're going to prep our steaks. For this menu, we are using some really nice New York steaks. If you want to use another steak, I would recommend looking for steaks that are at least an inch thick because that will help you not overcook the steak. Sometimes really thin steaks just cook so quickly and you might risk overcooking them. Now my preference is a medium rare to medium at the most in the center. And I like about an inch to an inch and a half steak thickness. When working with cuts of steak, I always like to take it out of the refrigerator and leave it at room temperature for at least 20 minutes. You can leave it a little bit longer, that's totally fine. But what this does is it gets the steak more at a closer to room temperature. So when you cook it, it's going to have an easier time Uh, cooking evenly and searing evenly. Sometimes if you take something out of the fridge immediately, it's really cold and then you throw it on a hot pan and it's trying to figure out (laughs) what temperature it's supposed to be at, it might not cook evenly. So take your steaks out ahead of time, leave it at room temperature. And another tip when working with steak or any proteins is to make sure your proteins are nice and dry. I say this about steak and fish and chicken. You have to make sure it's nice and dry before you add any seasonings or marinades or just cooking because if there's any excess moisture on the proteins, it's not going to give a good sear. So get some paper towels, dry it off very well, and then again, leave it at room temperature. Now, season your steaks. I just do a simple salt and pepper. I go all over on both sides. And while your steaks are sitting, heat up your cast iron skillet for as hot as it can go. So crank that heat up, get it nice and hot, because we want to do a really good hard sear on those steaks. Once your steaks are hot, I add a little bit of butter and oil just to give it some um, fat to get going. And I place the steaks in the cast iron skillet and I don't touch them. (laughs) Just leave them be. Let them get a really good hard sear. You're going to hear splatter and see splatter and it's going to be loud, but that's what you want. Let it go for about two to three minutes. And a good indicator to know when to turn your steaks over is when you take your tongs and you gently uh, pick it up that it releases easily off the pan. If it doesn't, it's not ready. Let it go a little bit longer. Now when it's ready to turn over, you want a really nice deep golden or deep brown crust. That's when you know it's ready. And for about an inch, an inch and a half, it takes about two to three minutes per side. so turn the steaks over, continue cooking it. And if your steaks are really thick, you might have to sear the sides as well. So you might have to take some tongs, take that steak and stand it up to make sure all the sides and if your steak has a fat cap, if that is nice and uh, rendered as well. When you turn your steaks over, this is a great time to baste your steaks. You may have seen this in cooking videos or in restaurants where they tilt the pan and they take this butter and a spoon and they they really quickly pour it over the steak. That's what basting is. Basing is not hard to do, but here's how you do it. When you turn your steaks over, you're going to use a towel or something to hold on to the cast iron skillet because it'll be really hot and gently tilt it over. Add another tablespoon or two of butter, a rosemary or a thyme sprig, and a garlic clove because that's what's going to infuse in your butter. Now what you want to do is when you tilt your pan over, the butter should melt towards you and the steak should be away from you. Now you take your spoon and your you're spooning up that butter and you're pouring it over the steak and you're doing this rather kind of quickly and confidently. You're not going too fast where everything is splattering, but you're definitely pouring it over every, you know, half a second or so. And what basting does is it's flavoring your steak and also that really hot butter is also giving some extra caramelization to the outside of your steak. So I do that for about 30 seconds to a minute until the butter's all melted and it just looks beautiful and glistening. (laughs) And then from there, you can turn the heat to medium. Remove your steaks and let them rest on a cutting board. I like to tent um, a piece of foil on top. And if you have those extra aromatics, I leave them on the steak as well and let that rest and you have to let steak and other proteins rest because all those juices are still flowing and you need everything to just come together and just relax Now, while the steaks are resting, there's a few other things to do. So that could rest for at least 10 minutes. In that same hot pan, grab some mushrooms. I like to do a variety of wild mushrooms. You can do shiitakes, creminis, baby bells, regular button mushrooms. And you have all this delicious flavor that you already gave your cast iron skillet. So now take those mushrooms, add them to the pan. And if you need to add some more olive oil or butter, maybe just add another drizzle and just saute those mushrooms until they're really nice and soft. And again, also have that beautiful caramelization. This can take anywhere from three to five minutes up to 10 minutes. So just continue sautéing. I heard a tip on I think it was America's Test Kitchen that mushrooms can't overcook. (laughs) So that's a good point. So if you're nervous about overcooking, they can only be more delicious. So just sauté them until you think they are nice and tender and have a really beautiful deep color. And then once that's done, you can add the steaks back to the mushrooms mushrooms if you want, or you can just serve it on a plate, which we will talk about later. While the steaks are resting, the mushrooms are cooked, now's a great time to boil your water for your pasta and to preheat your oven for the vegetables. Now for the pasta, I like to do a long noodle with that really creamy sauce. So I do a linguine or a spaghetti noodle, but another type of noodle such as rigatoni or penne would be really delicious because the sauce is a little bit on the thicker side. So we can handle a thicker pasta noodle, but I like linguine. So whatever pasta you have, let's get that boiling, salt the water really well and while that's boiling we're going to preheat the oven to 400 degrees and start to prep our broccolini. One of the reasons I love broccolini so much is because it cooks in about 10 minutes and it's more tender than broccoli. You may have seen it in the grocery stores and if you aren't familiar with it basically broccolini is also called a baby broccoli. So what we're used to is broccoli with these kind of larger Um, I guess, grassier heads (laughs) of broccoli. And broccolini has a little bit more of a tender bite to it. So the stalk's a little bit longer. That broccoli head might be a little smaller and more tender. And it's one of my favorite vegetables. So what I like to do is I keep it really simple because we have a lot of other flavors going on. So what I do is I take the broccolini. If there's any large stalks, I cut those in half horizontally. And then I drizzle it with some olive oil and season it with salt and pepper. And then just mix all the flavors and seasonings onto the broccoli really well or the broccolini really well then pop that in the oven at 400 degrees for about 10 minutes. That's a perfect amount of time for a bundle of broccolini. The edges get slightly crisp and the stalks are perfectly tender. Once that is done and I remove it from the oven, I grate some Parmesan cheese right on top and some lemon zest or lemon juice. And the combination of that salty Parmesan with the broccolini and the bright lemon is just such a delicious combination. And for the pasta, once your pasta is cooked, what I like to do is I always reserve a cup of starchy cooking pasta water. And I've talked about this before, but what happens is when you're cooking that pasta, all that starch is going into the water. And that's a great use, another ingredient that you can add to your pasta sauce, just in case your sauce is a little too thick, or you want to make sure that the pasta and the sauce blends really well together. One of my tips is I always like to add pasta right to the sauce and make sure it's all mixed together because when you put sauce on top of dry pasta you might not get that full effect of every bite having a delicious sauce kind of coated evenly around it. So as soon as that pasta is cooked I take the pasta directly from the, the boiling water and I put it right into my sauce and I place it over low heat just you know, to warm everything through. And at this point, you can tell is the sauce too thick, is it too thin? And if it's too thick, I use that reserved pasta water and I just pour a little bit, maybe a tablespoon, a few tablespoons at a time. And I stir it together and it just loosens the sauce a little bit while keeping the sauce and the pasta cohesive and coated evenly. So that's my other tip. And then just stir that all together, making sure the sauce is evenly coated on all the noodles. And you can add another grating of Parmesan cheese on top. And I also like to finish it with a drizzle of olive oil right on top. It just gives it a lovely floral flavor. Now to put this lovely dinner together, once your steaks are nice and rested, you want to cut it against the grain into nice strips. And I like to put about three to four, even five uh, strips of steak onto a plate. I top it with those cooked wild mushrooms. And then I take the pasta and I use some tongs to give it a really beautiful swirl. <laughs> That's just a food uh, stylist in me. And then I put that alongside the steak. I take that roasted broccoli and I put that next to it on the plate. And if you want to drizzle everything with a little olive oils or some extra really crunchy, flaky sea salt, that would be absolutely delicious too. And there you have it, a delicious Valentine's dinner for Valentine's Day or any anytime you want to make this. Now, it wouldn't be Valentine's Day without having a dessert. So I'll be honest with you. <laughs> (laughs) I am not a huge dessert person or a dessert-making person, so I'm the type of person that would make a delicious dinner at home, but I would get dessert out. I'll be totally honest. However, if you want to make something simple, one of my favorite treats during this time of year is chocolate-covered strawberries. It's such a classic combination, and it's really easy to make, and you can make it ahead of time. So what you want to do is you want to get some really nice-sized strawberries, and you want to wash them really well and also dry them very well. So they have to be completely dry before you dip them in chocolate. And then for melting chocolate, you have two options. You can either melt chocolate in the microwave, which takes about 20 to 30 seconds. So what I do is I get a bag of semi-sweet chocolate. I pour it in a safe, uh, like a heat safe bowl, pop it in the microwave, and then just let it go for about 20, 30 seconds until melted. And then I whisk it to combine and then it's all melted. I also do a double boiler, which you may have heard of this before, but basically what you want to do is take a pot of simmering water and the water should be very low, like maybe a half an inch to an inch. And you put a heat safe bowl on top and make sure that the bowl is not touching the water then pour your chocolate chips into the bowl, bring it up to medium high heat. And this might take a little bit longer. So as it's heating up, the bowl will get hot and then it will slowly melt. So you want to take a spatula or a whisk and then just gently whisk the chocolate until it's uh, completely melted. And then once you have your chocolate melted, take your strawberries, dip them in, I would say about three quarters of the way, and then let any excess chocolate drip off and then place them on a parchment lined baking sheet or plate so they don't stick and then they have to solidify for at least I would say 30 minutes to an hour because it does take a little bit for the chocolate to dry. So you can make this ahead of time. You can make it the morning of or the day before. I wouldn't recommend any longer than the day before because chocolate can, I try to think of a better word, but it can weep where you might see some condensation on the outside. So if you make them the morning of or the day before, you are good to go. And if you don't like semi-sweet chocolate, but you like white chocolate, you can use the same methods to melt white chocolate. However, white chocolate might take a little bit longer to melt and have more of a difficult time to melt. So my tip is to add a little bit of coconut oil, about a teaspoon of coconut oil to your white chocolate. And what happens is it helps it melt a lot easier and also harden a lot easier as well, because when coconut oil is at uh, like a colder temperature, it will harden really well. So that's my other tip. I hope some of these recipes give you inspiration to cook at home this Valentine's season or anytime you want to. As always, if you are looking for more recipe inspiration, you can head to my website at littleferrarokitchen.com. I am also all over social media on Instagram at Ferraro Kitchen, on Facebook at Little Ferraro Kitchen. And as always, I would love to hear what you are cooking up in your kitchen this Valentine's season. Until next time, happy cooking.